0: This is Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B.
1: Hello there. Welcome to Life Elsewhere. I'm Norman B. Coming up, a very special conversation with a talented singer-songwriter and spoken word artist... Now, you need to know that part of what you're going to hear is on the sensitive subject of the death of a parent. Anika Pyle is my guest, and to begin, here's the title cut from her latest album, Wild River. <laughs>
0: Second hand. the rewarding life that you never dreamed that you would
2: Of yourself, where you've brushed the tiny failures or abuses or cannots, or should nots, or never coulds. Let them collect dust until it's time to clean house or rearrange the furniture and move the buff out. And you find them, the fears. When you're adjusting the couches and the bookshelves, you cringe a bit as you look at them. Your instinct is to cover them up again or leave them in the one house and move it to another. But fear is karmic. And until you pick that shit up and repurpose it, give thanks to it, it will haunt you from place to place, preventing you from ever fully realizing your potential for the rest of your one tiny, precious life.
3: Something special
1: just I have been well let's put it sort of straightforward I've been raving on about for the last couple of weeks her name is Anika Pyle and thankfully she agreed she would chat to me and she's with us right now through the marvels (laughs) of Zoom. Anika welcome to Life Elsewhere.
2: Thank you so much Norman thank you for having me.
1: So the first thing I have to ask you is here's me with my silly accent saying Anika and my producer Stephanie said to me, are you sure you're pronouncing her name correctly?
2: <laughs> you are. You are. Oh. I, was, I was impressed, actually. <laughs>
1: Anika. Anika Power, welcome to Life Elsewhere. Thank we you. played a couple of cuts from your album Wild River, which, as I said, I'm, I'm raving on about. But let's talk about you and talk about the album and talk about a lot of things, because this album is a as you say and i want you to talk about it is a very serious album it's it's a reflection on the death of your father but before we get to that let's just find out a little bit about you you have an unusual name anika Mm
2: -hmm. where
1: where does that come from uh
2: it has no um it makes no reference to my ethnic or cultural upbringing um my dad, uh, my mom was convinced I was going to be a boy. My dad wanted to name me Nicholas, my mom. Ah. Um, uh, and then when I was a girl, they had to figure it out. They liked the name Nicholas. They found the name Anika in a baby book, and they were like, oh, we could call her Nika, Niki, which is kind of like Nicholas. So my dad liked to say that he knew a dog named Anika, but I don't know if that's true or not. So I may or may not be named after a canine. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a wonderful name. Now, let's talk about you, where you're from. Share with us a brief bio of Anika Pyle.
2: Yeah, so I, um, I grew up in Monument, Colorado, which is a small town about 50 miles south of Denver. Um, I grew up in a, like a three bedroom farmhouse, pretty much no neighbors on 100 acres of land that they raised cattle on. Um, so kind of a country girl. And then when I graduated high school, I moved to New York City to study at NYU, Um, and that's kind of where I got a real foot in the door of the music industry Um, and was in a punk band that got to tour all over the world for a little while. And then about five years ago, I moved to Philadelphia um, and have been here ever since. And there's a robust music community here, so I've been kind of nestling myself into into it, so yeah, country country girl turns city girl, I guess.
1: <laughs> now you've been around the music business for for quite a while. It's a strange world, the music biz. There's lots of ups and lots of downs. So give me Anika Pyle's take on the music business so far.
2: Well, <clears throat> I I often romanticized the days where I didn't know anything about the music business when I was (laughs) you know first getting like you know first had a publicist and I was like oh what's that and um you know was getting some nice write-ups and magazines that I had no idea anything about because I wasn't really I loved music and I went to shows but I was wasn't really I didn't follow any of the anything you know I was kind of just doing it for the sake of doing it um and now I feel like the music business is, you know, it's certainly taken a an insane turn in the past year. And I would say it's not a very forgiving business. It's kind of, you know, you can be the greatest thing in the world one day and then completely forgotten about the next day. And I think it's so much based on trend and um you know, and I feel like the artist is often grovelling at these gatekeepers to have opportunities, whether that be record labels or um, publishing companies or booking agents don't even get me started on booking agents. <laughs> it's like, you know, sometimes you're just like, "What can I what possibly can I do?" And some of the most talented people will never get the same opportunities as some of the more um, hyped people of the moment so it's a strange business I haven't really figured it out yet but but I have had some great people in my corner so I'm grateful for that
1: yeah you explained that so well Anika now is music your main concern your full-time occupation
2: I mean this is my music career is the closest thing that I've ever had to a career it's the yeah. it's the field I've been in the longest it's the area where I've developed myself the most. And I would say it's the thing that has been most soul fulfilling for me. I still struggle, you know, when people like I was just home in Colorado, visiting my family and my sister introduced me to some folks and This man was like, "What do you do?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm unemployed." And my sister was like, "No, you're not. You're a musician. You just got paid to like put a song in a movie. Like you're you're not (laughs) not unemployed." But to me, it's still hard. Like you know, I think I have a deeply ingrained societal messaging that says that artists and creatives are substandard people in society. That their job isn't real. And so I really have struggled with that. I kind of have to remind myself every day that like the work I make is valid. It, it reaches people. It moves them. The more I share, the more opportunity I have to make people feel less alone. Um, and that, you know, music can be, you can be a financially solvent artist. Um, yes. It's hard, but you can do it.
1: Once again, gosh, you, you summed that up incredibly well. Yes, I like that. Talk to me about the music for a movie.
2: Um, well, I, my sister was referencing a few things, but I a couple of years ago, I along with my bandmates from my last band, Katie Allen, wrote um, some original material for a film called Her Smell, um, which was... Uh, directed by a fabulous director named Alex Ross Perry. It starred Elizabeth Moss and Cara Delevingne and. Um, oh, yes. Other. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was a couple of years ago. And then I recently collaborated um, or, you know, contributed an original piece produced by Matt um that was a spoken word poem that um, we put on a mixtape that is coming out with a film called Summertime, which is directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada. And it's kind of a story of these young poets who are just real life young poets who wrote their own pieces for this incredible film. And it kind of follows it's sort of like a Los Angeles coming of age story and um, an incredibly diverse cast and all these like Really beautiful, youthful, hopeful stories. It's I'm so grateful to be a part of that project. Um, and so, yeah, those are those are kind of my m- movie forays. Um,
1: <laughs> but, well, good for you, and very good. I, I, and yeah. once again, thank you for explaining that. Let's get back to talking about your most recent album as you probably heard me rave on about it I, I i like this so much it touched me because um and i think it would touch a lot of people because of what has happened in their lives and um, particularly the passing of a parent which is so unbelievably devastating it's just something which you can't come to terms with i think and no matter how much you try um, and and uh, although I will say this: I had a friend die uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, and, mm-hmm. and I, I, I cried for for maybe three days nonstop. And it was different when my father died; it was a different kind of grief, and I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure how to explain that. But I want yeah. you, if you wouldn't mind, because this is a difficult subject, I think, and it's a it's a poignant subject, and it's something which. I think it's important to talk about because you've, you've written about it. You've, you've produced an album, which is centered around the death of your father. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So could you just go into that just a little bit for us?
2: Yeah. um, Well, I'm sorry to hear about your friend. I do think that we experience grief so differently depending on what loss we're feeling. Um, And yeah, I think when my father died, he died very suddenly. He died of a drug overdose and, I, um, you know, didn't, it was very sudden and unexpected. He had been sober for four years before he passed away. And so it really, you know, there, there are multiple complex layers of grief in there. Um, but I really struggled to allow myself a space to feel grief at first because, My sister and I were his next of kin, so we just had to do so many logistical things. I feel like people don't talk about sort of these, you know, death, you die. And it's not like the death fairy comes and takes all your stuff away. It's like someone you love has to go through all of your things, has to find your social security card, has to do all these things that, you know, you don't think about. It's not a ceremony. It's sort of like this drudgery. Um, And so I kind of... uh, really went into like get shit done mode and um stayed there for a while and so music was kind of this space where i could sort of start to process some of the deeper feelings that i was feeling and some of the anger that i had you know and um the the, the idea of failure is a common thread on the record because you know i was thinking about how proud of my dad i was that he had spent so many years um in a sober space and then of course ended up dying of a drug overdose which felt like you know i could have latched onto this idea of like oh he's a failure he failed his whole life you know he tried he tried so hard but he didn't quite make it but you know, when someone dies, we have a choice. We can remember them for all the things, all of the transgressions and all the ways they hurt us or hurt other people, or we can remember them for all of the um, moments of beauty and the lessons that we took away even from the harder moments. So that was a big choice that I had to make while also holding space for the fact that everybody makes mistakes. Everybody fails throughout their life. Everyone you know, who, there are a few saints on this planet. (laughs) Everyone has, Mm -hmm. has wronged people um, and wronged themselves. So um, yeah, but I feel like it will never, you know, your grief when you lose someone you really love, or even a relationship that you really love, that never goes away. It becomes sort of, you know, you renegotiate your relationship to that person and to those feelings. And so, you know, even it's been almost two years since my dad passed and mm. I feel like I'm still moving through, you know, so many complicated feelings mm. that yes. I'll definitely be sorting through for the rest of my life, I think.
1: Thank you so much for talking about that. I really do appreciate it. My observation in in Wild River is that in a sense, through the music and through the spoken word pieces, you're reconnecting with your father
2: Mm, mm -hmm. yeah
1: it feels to me that there's no regret so much as yeah you feel maybe the there could have been more time but but there wasn't but that's okay and it's very moving thank you was it difficult to put down on paper, to write, or or just to compose songs, to do the spoken word pieces. The the one that I played on the show recently, Mexican Restaurants, Where I Last Saw My Father. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's just in the way that you read that piece. It's so raw, and I mean that in, in the most complimentary way. That it, I, you know, I feel like I'm just sitting there with you. I feel like I'm I'm I, I in 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 a lot of respects. I feel like I know your dad, and I'm, and I obviously I didn't, hmm. but but the circumstances just to me so, just seem so incredibly real. Talk to me about writing that.
3: Yeah,
2: that kind of was a you know a an in the moment processing of what I was experiencing. It's very, you know, it's has a lot of specific detail. It was sort of just this. um, Yeah, I would say a free write on how I on grappling with the fact that my father was gone and sort of replaying these moments in the past few years that we had had because, yeah, I didn't have much time with my dad. I mean, I, I spent probably a few hours a year with him. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I really latched on to these sort of memories that, um, you know, that it's like you, yeah, you really do sort of someone dies and you kind of you're replaying like, oh, remember, remember this time or that time or you're like grasping at it because you don't want to forget them, you know, it's sort of like, like, obsessively thinking about what they look like or what their voice sounds like, because, you know, you're never going to see them again. You're not going to hear it again. You don't want to, um, you don't want to lose all that you had of someone, which is what you can remember. Um, yes. And so that was it. Yeah, that was a, a very cathartic, um, a cathartic piece to write. But I also feel like as I look back on it, it kind of reminds me of the infallibility of memory and how, yes. you know, you can't, even some things you remember you've just made up because that's how your that's how the brain works is right. um you know it's piecing these disparate things together and so um you know i feel like as i as i get older and you know my brain fills with more memories i'll, <laughs> yes. I'll have yeah. to um <laughs> i'll have yeah, to really, yeah 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 kind of like choose the ones of my dad to hold on to and and yeah so i think it's sort of this I'm obsessed with documenting. I've been keeping a journal since I was five, and i yes yeah you know, so it's like a almost um it was almost sort of a neurotic documentation of of um of my dad and and what i what I could remember um and then yeah, the song that follows it is more of a a direct sort of conversation with um with him, so yeah. Very interesting, really important space, those two pieces for me to work in because it really helped me feel more connected to him and also be able to reckon with the fact that I would never see him again.
1: Yes. You talked about documentation, about keeping a diary. Do you have photographs?
2: Yes, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, Some great photographs of... Uh, him when he was younger too, which he was a hippie, you know? So it's really yeah. nice to like see his long hair and he, my dad had long hair most of his life. I think he, Good he got you. it off to go, yeah. to go to court a couple of years
1: ago. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: but yeah, he, it's really, he was a handsome man. It's nice to see.
1: Ah, lovely. I'm talking to singer songwriter, spoken word artist, Anika Pyle. Her most recent album is called Wild River. We played the title cut at the beginning of the program. I've asked Anika if she would choose some tracks from this album or any of her music that we can put into the program. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Anika, right now. What would you like us to play?
2: I would love to play Prayer for Lonely People, which is also from Wild River.
1: Prayer for Lonely People. Mm Mm-hmm. This is an equal pile. This is Life Elsewhere. If you're just joining us, my guest is Anika Pyle. Her latest album is titled Wild River. We just heard a track from Wild River. Tell me about Prayer for Lonely People.
2: So this was a a song that was really sort of it is a prayer. I'm, I'm a I'm not necessarily a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. So when I think of prayer, I think about sort of meditation um, and sending energy out into the world. Um, And this was written at a time where I was thinking about being far away from my family, um, far away from my friends. And I had received a letter from um, a friend of mine, another songwriter, Laura Stevenson, um, and was just thinking about, how you can feel so close to people and so far away at the same time and so i yeah. was kind of sort of using this message to send out to especially you know my my family who um you know my dad was unpart unpartnered and lived alone at the end of his life um or he lived with roommates but um uh, and my mom sim- same thing and my sister and so i i was just you know thinking about um, wanting to remind the people that I love that when you feel lonely, um, I'm I'm still there even if I'm not right in front of you. So, yeah. and I released it for as a single um, last June, I guess June of 2020, um, because I felt like so many people felt really lonely. So I wanted to, yeah. to just maybe hold 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 some space for that and send that out to to the people.
1: You touched on just a little while ago about how things um, last year, particularly because of COVID, and, and a lot of people have talked about this, and a lot of people have become very creative because of the situation. And, and obviously, you you reacted to it as well. Just give me a little overview for you as a, as a as an artist, as a musician, as a singer songwriter. The the COVID experience, and we're still. It's not over. It's not over, and it, and just on the latest news today, mm-hmm. it seems like gosh, things are not getting better. And and I don't want to go off on a tangent about about that, but I'd just like to know from you, Anika. Creatively, did it did it spur you on, or did it? How did it affect you?
2: Well, I was, you know, I think early on. Well, we started the pandemic very interestingly because on March 13th or March 11th, March 11th or 13th, I can't remember which, we flew, my partner and I, who is also a songwriter, um, flew to Los Angeles to start a tour. And, you know, on the way during our flight, it's like... Literally, coronavirus is taking over the entire planet. The NBA shut down. Tom Hanks got coronavirus. By the time we landed, it was clear that we were going to cancel the tour. So, you know, for fear of being in an airport, we were supposed to fly out of Austin because we had a South by Southwest show. Um, And so we uh, just drove all the way across the country. And that was, you know, I really, even though it was terrifying and there were so much unknowns, I really felt like I was in sort of an apocalyptic um, Hollywood film
1: yeah yeah uh,
2: it was a it was a really interesting experience and you know I relish being able to see the country before going into lockdown and we really locked down we were um like you know we still only go to the grocery store every six weeks we're yeah. like um <laughs> you know I just started getting out there and seeing people. And I traveled for the first time, you know, on an airplane since then. And yeah, I think I started the pandemic with a lot of hope thinking that the the world was going to pull together and maybe this was our opportunity to reverse climate change and maybe we'll be inspired to really, um, fix all of these other societal ills. And, um, I, you know, that that dream quickly died um, and it was really hard, I think. So I leaned in to, um, you know, made myself a creative schedule and really leaned into just uh, making things and mm-hmm. also, you know, channeling a lot of my art into fundraising for um, various issues um social justice issues and and initiatives and that was very rewarding since I couldn't do much work in person and um yeah but it was just I think it's been a time of deep uncertainty you know like Mm. at, at the same time I feel incredibly grateful for the amount of space I've had just to make and like really you know I feel like this is the first year in my life where I'm like I am a maker I am a music maker (laughs) I am an artist yes yeah 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 um but it's also like will I even have a place to play will there be shows you know friends who are on tour right now I'm just like uh, I'm I I worry because the yeah like as you said the pandemic is far from over and in fact it's ramping up in a whole new way and yeah I just have no idea what the landscape of of touring and music will look like um but i'm learning to love the questions themselves as rainer maria rilke said (laughs) um so i'm you know i'm just kind of leaning into the process and and yeah seeing seeing where it takes us
1: you mentioned a couple of times in uh, just a moment ago you art and as an artist I want to focus in on that just for a moment. I I don't know for sure, but I'm just presuming, along with singing and songwriting and spoken word, that you're a visual artist as well.
0: Yes,
2: I I would say that the that words are my number one medium, but I do, um, especially this year, I have I have been doing collage art for a long time, and this year I started doing some watercolor and gouache painting. Um, my mom is a very talented painter and I feel like I didn't inherit that gene, <laughs> but nobody inherits the painting gene. Turns out you just, it's like anything else, you have to devote exactly. to it. Yeah, so I've started to to do that. And actually I've done a lot of graphic design work over the course of the past year. I was really trying to teach myself those skills because they're so valuable in music because you're always needing to design something. So the Wild River art i you know i challenged myself to do everything myself so i pressed the record myself i put it out myself and then i did all the artwork for the for the vinyl um and the book layout myself so that was a nice challenge to be able to yes
1: and and you did it extremely well as as a former graphic designer myself and i went to art school there's something you pick up on with people that you you see you see in the work and from their location and their setting and i should let everybody know we are looking at one another via Zoom, and Anika has a wall behind her with an assortment of different kinds of paintings and artwork, and it's just absolutely lovely, just like my home is. I you can't see all of mine, but I got paintings behind me here and books and whatever, and so it's just it's it's a lovely uh, it's a lovely environment. It's a, it's a wonderful environment to be in. It means a lot to you, doesn't it?
2: Mm, it does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah let's talk about something which i i find just very in some respects unsettling because i've had this conversation with a number of artists over the years and that's the difference between men males and females in music and it just seems to me that there's still this real i don't know and i think there's a lot of People will disagree with me about this, but it still seems to me that there's a separation. There's like, there's females in music, and it's treated by even radio these days. We're all going to play women in music day. Mm -hmm. Let me get your take on that, Anika.
2: Well, it's interesting because I feel like, um, you know, we're operating in a world in which even the very idea of male and female is being. Rapidly deconstructed and reimagined. You know, we're learning that um, gender is spectrum, um, yep. and there's a lot more to um, our sort of experience than just the binary between male and female. Yep. Um, but I feel like you know, depending on in which space you're operating, um, that concept may or may not have taken hold um and so i i will say that throughout you know when i was playing um well well, let me dial back here (laughs) i've got a lot to say (laughs) yes yes yes. (laughs) um i mean we live in a uh patriarchy in which um you know there has been a, a long legacy of gender oppression um and so because of the makeup of our very society that will infiltrate every single space that we operate in and music is no different um and i think you know you have to think about where where the power lies and who tastemakers are and a lot of those people still you know people in the who are in the recording academy and who are voting on you know people who get grammys or people who are um, on the radio or, you know, hosting radio shows or booking shows or running record labels or whatnot. Um, because of a historical access to power and wealth, a lot of those people are still men. And so, um, not to say that, you know, a fellow like yourself can't invite a person like me onto your radio show and that's, you know, sharing power, but, um, you know, it does, it's sort of this, yeah, it's kind of this, it just infiltrates every space. And so I think, um on the one hand, being I'm always for the affirmative opening of space and sharing of um, an empowerment you know, deliberate sharing of empowerment, so whether that's you know creating a deliberate space for women in music where there wasn't, you know i'm I'm okay with that. I do sometimes wish that it was just Music, you know, yes. Um, yes, and that people were taking it upon themselves to diversify. Any, I think that any person in power, there was, there's a Toni Morrison quote um, that I'll never get right, but it's sort of like, what's the point of having power if you can't give power to others? So, you know, as a quote unquote woman in music, I'm like, well, how can I open this space for? Um, non-binary people in music or gender non-conforming people in music um, and yeah but I, I think a lot of it has to do with again kind of like going back to this gatekeeping and you know people who have historically have wealth and power will continue to yeah. generate more wealth and power and until we find a way to sort of decentralize that I think that um, or deliberately diversify you know it'll always sort of sort of be be that way but things are changing i feel like even you know when i was in a pop punk band it was really different i was definitely the woman in music you know and and even like seven years ago it was um you know i wrote an article for uh vox magazine that was like 2014 the year women took over punk and it was like some people were like women have always been in punk and then some people were like this is great. Thanks for opening our eyes. And then, you know, most people on Twitter were just throwing misogynistic comments at me. And I had to just delete my entire Twitter account because I was like, I just can't believe we're living in 2014 and this is what I'm experiencing. But I think it's, it's shifting and with concerted effort and, you know, and we need to, especially in indie music or folk music, um, you know, there's uh, I'm, I'm thinking less about gender and more about race because those are spaces that are very white spaces. And there are a lot of incredible indie rock or indie folk artists that are not white that really deserve the kind of opportunities that a lot of white people have gotten. So
1: let's talk more about you and about you. You were talking about just before COVID happened that you were going off uh, to do a tour performing live for Anika Pyle hold that thought for a minute let's play another piece of music and we'll come back and we'll talk about performing live
0: okay. what should we hear
1: <laughs> what, should, what should we hear next
0: uh, let's um
2: let's hear poetry versus reason yeah poetry versus reason a single a single that predates wild river
1: okie dokie poetry versus reason from anika Pyle. this is life elsewhere <laughs> Yeah. My guest is Anika Pyle. She's a singer-songwriter, she's an artist, she's a spoken word artist here. Her most recent album is called Wild River. We just heard a single titled Poetry Versus Reason. Just give us a little overview of that one, please.
2: Yeah, so this is kind of a, I, I sort of call it my anthem for the queer in questioning, but it is, you know, references sort of a psychological tool where, you know, we have a a, um, an emotional mind, a rational mind and a wise mind. And, you know, therapists say that you want to operate in your wise mind. You don't want to be too led by your feelings, too led by rationality. And this is kind of, um, I was sort of equating that tool to, um, you know, your experience of, of sexuality and, um, gender identity and how I've always been a little more poetry, than reason, um, a little more emotional than rational, but I'm trying to find the wise, um, you know, the wise mind, um, where it's a little bit of both. <laughs>
1: yes. Can I say something, just an observation in listening to you and, and listening to your music, you seem very confident. It's not the word, but maybe it is. You seem very, uh, very, you know, who you are.
0: Mm, you seem very, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, Norman, because I wake up every day asking myself, who the hell am I? But Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I...
1: no, no. You have a certain sort of manner about you, Anika, and just in the way that you deliver your, just your answers to my questions, it seems it's not studied. It's coming from in here.
2: Mm, thank you.
1: And, th- and that's, a, that's a big difference to being confident and sort of, you know, so anyway, I'm, I'm interrupting you, so please.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 um. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, yeah. What are we? We're talking about live. We're talking about live music. Yeah, we were
0: going to talk about performing
2: live.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy. It's so easy to go off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: Okay. Live music. Well, I really miss it. Um, I didn't know how much I missed it. I love. I really feel like it is the most spiritual experience that that I can have as a person. um, Either you know, watching live music, or especially playing. And I've been on stage since I was a little kid Um, moved to New York to pursue acting didn't do that but I think that there is this there's this the experience of for me playing live is the ability to open myself um, in this way that maybe you sort of just referenced um, so that others can feel kind of comfortable operating in with their emotional selves Um, and I really feel like there's sort of this otherworldly connection that happens when you experience live music in an intimate setting um, or in a gigantic setting I don't know it doesn't have to be you know small or large um, but you make this kind of connection this unspoken connection with, um, with a performer or with a piece and yeah, I really miss that. It's it's scary to think about. Um, you know, right now I feel like playing a bunch of shows in a row, like I'm used to, would give me a lot of anxiety in a way that um, it hasn't before. But um, because we're in the middle of a an unprecedented global pandemic, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love I love to play live. I have sort of a, a contentious relationship with touring because of how it you know, kind of disrupts other parts of your life in some way. Um, but I also love to do it once I'm on it. I'm like, oh, this is like the best, you know, it's, um, but it's also, you know, it's just hard to, until you get to a point where you're like making money and in, in a bus, it's, you. it's a lot of grunt yeah. work and it teaches you a lot about yourself. Yes. <laughs> sleeping on, yes. sleeping on strangers floors every night for like a month straight is.
1: Yes. Is there is there a part of you that is so excited about it to go up on stage, yet it's nerve wracking at the same time?
2: Oh yeah, it's always nerve wracking, especially yeah. playing alone. Um, I find that it's really different from playing with a band because you can sort of hide some of your mistakes when you're with a band, but when you're alone, it's just you, and some t- it's easy to get in your own head. And um, but it's also like yeah, it really does feel uh there's a Simone Simone Vile Simone Weil, Simone Vile I think it's I think it's Vile W E L quote um and it's a uh, absolute unmixed attention is prayer and i think about that when i'm on stage that's you know it takes all of my attention to be able to play the song and sort of be in the moment and that really feels like a spiritual space to me so
1: Anika, what about ambitions for you? This is a difficult one because I think ambitions change. Some people know right from the the minute they're born what they're going to do and what they want to do, but other people have ideas, but then you get sort of led off into other directions sometimes. For Anika Pyle, are there there some big I want to do this things?
2: Well, yes. (laughs) And... (laughs) It's hard because i was I've just been talking to my therapist about um, yes. how I, I I haven't allowed myself to like dream the big childhood dreams in a while because as you put yourself out there, you experience more rejection and you kind of get defeated in some ways and you really have to fight against that and build some resilience. Um, mm-hmm. and so we were just talking about, you know, he was like, why don't you just let yourself? Dream your childhood dreams. What are your What are your big childhood dreams? And then we can talk about you know what those things represent. You right. know, like yes. um, what feeling you're trying to attain. And yeah, I really want to write a book, write and publish a book. That's a big one for me. Um, I just finished a manuscript of poetry and been have been shopping that around, but I really want to write something that's more like a creative nonfiction, um, kind of memoir ish. Um, and right now a a very realistic ambition is trying to find a booking agent um i worked with one a long time ago but i haven't worked with one for a while so some that's on my on my list i feel like it's not a very exciting dream but
1: <laughs> oh, um, but it's a realistic dream
2: yeah and yeah. like yeah i i i really my biggest ambition is i want to feel and i don't think i'll ever feel like this and that's what keeps me making music but i really want to make a record that feels like I've lived up to my full potential. Um, And I think I get closer every time, but I'm not quite there yet. So I'm trying to, yeah, I really want to make something that at the end of the day, I can listen to it and be like, wow, I really worked hard. I really stretched myself. I challenged myself, you know, and then it's like the, it's like, oh yeah, well, it'd be nice if it charted on the billboard charts, but that's not- You know, I've learned to like, those are the shoot for the moon. You know, I land among the stars and I work on the things that I can control. I can't control if my record yes, you know, does X, Y, Z, but I can control the effort that I put into it. So
1: in the musical world, is there anyone that you not necessarily look up to, but admire, I guess, but is there anybody that you would love to work with? Oh
2: my gosh. So many people. Um yeah, I I often think about, you know, people who I'd love to to like go on the road with. Um yeah. and uh I've really I've, you know, there's just like the first person that comes to mind is Rihanna, but that's insane. I I wouldn't go on tour with Rihanna, but I would love to just sit in a room with Rihanna and pick her brain because I have been a fan of hers for a long time, but someone who, you know, I feel like um I've really been loving lately and I just love her whole I've really been into Maggie Rogers I love her her whole vibe um and I just would yeah I would love to share a stage with her yeah I mean there's so many so many people I hate uh, it's hard to ask or to answer these kinds of questions because it's like stuff that you think about all the time. And (laughs) I should write it down (laughs) as part of my, um, you know, in uh, deep in intentions.
1: Uh, I love it that you actually came up with some answers because I think it is a, it's a very difficult question to answer. It really is the album wild river, which uh, once again, and I I can't say this enough, I really do think this is so important. It's such such a terrific album recording next for you. What's coming up?
2: Recording. Um, I am working on LP2. And I have most of the songs demoed. um, And I'm kind of in the phase of like, you know, what am I trying to say? What have I left out? What do I need to fill in? Um, And then I hope to, I would love to have the record done by um, the end of this year, but it might be depending on you know what happens with the world in the next couple of months it might be early um, 2022 that it's finished but yeah I'm kind of chipping away at that every day and I'm really excited to like I have some big speaking of ambitions I have some you know I want some horns and some strings and some I think it will be a little bit genre bending and I don't know I'm excited about it Um, but yeah yeah working on that every day.
1: I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. I think it's very difficult to talk about something which is so intimate and you and you handled that extremely well. I wish you all the very very best Anika. You you you're you're, you're, a, you're a lovely person. Uh, you, you've got a lot of talent. I'm really interested in reading more of your poetry. Send us your poetry, would you? Yeah, I will. I will. I will. Yeah, And let's just keep us up to date with what's going on with you. Tell us, you know, what's happening. Anika Pyle, it has been an absolute delight talking to you. Give us a piece of music. We can take us on the up to the closing credits.
2: Okay. Thank you, Norman. Um, let's go ahead. Let's hear um, Orange Flowers. Since orange Flowers. We've talked so much about my dad.
1: So it's yes. for him. Anika Pyle has been my guest. Her album is called Wild River. Details will be up at lifeelsewhere.co. Anika, thank you so very much for joining us at Life Elsewhere. Thank you for having me, Norman. Dear Daddy I
3: just want you to know
1: very large thank you to Anika Pyle and a thank you to you for listening. The link to Anika's music is up at lifeelsewhere.co. Now make sure you go there to learn all about our Life Elsewhere shows. And you can hear this volume, 244, again at any of our affiliate stations and outlets. Plus, the podcast will be up. You can get it at Mixcloud, amongst others. For more info... Go to LifeElsewhere.co. Oh, and make sure you let me know what you think of Life Elsewhere music. Send me your thoughts. My email address comes up in the closing credits. So be ready to jot that down. Till next time, be well, be safe, and you know, it costs nothing. Be nice. Bye-bye.
0: You have been listening to Life Elsewhere. Created and hosted by Norman B. Life Elsewhere is written and produced by Norman B. Guest booking and additional research by Stephanie Lane. Behind the scenes assistance by James Vann, Bruce Goodman, and Allison Klein. We love to hear what you think about Life Elsewhere. Send your questions, queries, and comments to info at lifeelsewhere.co. That's C-O.